Almost two-thirds of all meat is factory farmed. And the way things are going, this number is only likely to increase. None of us are surprised by the horrific conditions animals are forced to endure on these farms, spending their entire lives cramped into little cages or pens. Governments around the world subsidise animal-based industrial farming to the tune of hundreds of billions every year. I talked to Philip Limbury, the CEO of Compassion in Animal Farming, which is calling for the end to factory farming. We talk about cultivated meat being a major part of the solution. Philip is also author of several books, including the latest one, 60 Harvests Left, which looks at the world being in the autumn of its life and heading into its winter. I'm Alex Crisp, and this is the Future of Foods podcast. Thank you, Philip. Uh, I'm incredibly excited to welcome you to my podcast. Uh, I consider this actually to be some sort of scoop. Uh, I know that you've you've had a very busy summer, uh, and perhaps the weather hasn't been ideal for touring in the way that you have been. Has it been okay? Yeah, it's been great, Alex. It's been wonderful to be out, to meet people, to share the great news about beautiful, life-affirming, compassionate solutions to the problems that we face as humanity. Yes. How do we address the climate, nature, and health emergencies that, that we're now facing? Yes, I saw that you were at the uh, Hay Festival uh, in May. It reminded me a, a, a few years back. Uh, I went to the Hay Festival and we were we were kind of rained out. We were staying in a wigwam and the water was pouring through the hole at the top and kept putting the fire out. So I hope you had I hope you had better weather and better accommodation than we had. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was just a day trip for me to Hay, but it was it's the fourth time I've been there in recent years, and it's always a pleasure. Good. So. So, Philip, as um, as the CEO for the charity Compassion in World Farming, uh, which advocates for the ending of factory farming, could you uh, begin by telling uh, us why the work you do is so important? I mean, why why should we end factory farming? Factory farming is the biggest cause of animal cruelty on the planet. Uh, It is also a major driver of declines in wildlife across the world. It is integral to the climate emergency that we're now facing. The livestock industry, which is predominated by factory farming, creates more greenhouse gases than all of the world's uh, direct emissions from uh, planes, trains and cars put together. So it is huge. Factory farming is also uh, a contributor to pandemics. Remember swine flu that uh, killed uh, uh, so many people around the world and squandering antibiotics. Nearly three quarters of the world's antibiotics are fed to farmed animals, mainly to prop them up, just to keep them uh, alive and growing in these factory farmed conditions. And that is why we could be If we carry on as we are, we could be facing a post-antibiotic era where currently treatable diseases will once again kill. Mm. Factory farming involves the, the confinement 
of animals in cages, in in big barns, in warehouses, in feedlots, and then feeding them grain. Uh, so unnatural diets in unnatural conditions where they can't express their natural behaviors, where they often can't even turn around for weeks, months, uh, and sometimes their entire lives. This is abject cruelty. This is animals being kept in conditions of of uh, utter deprivation for their entire lives. And it's it, it not only makes them miserable, uh, it also makes them unhealthy. And that is why they present such a pandemic risk to us as people. Mm. I've heard you refer to yourself as a passionate pragmatist. Um, yeah. I mean, can you tell me or us what you mean by that? Yeah, passionate pragmatism is about a broad church approach to change uh, it, it seeing uh, the, the 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 need for uh, all people from all across the world to be part of the, the 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 movement for change it's about not letting perfection get in the way of progress it's about saying look wouldn't it be great if there were no farmed animals in the system if we got rid of farming animals altogether. But the fact is, there are more farmed animals in the world now than ever before. The numbers continue to go up, uh, even though there is a rise in uh, veganism and vegetarianism. The fact is that there are more people eating more meat than ever before. So passionate pragmatism is about taking the world where it is, not where I want it to be ideally and trying to make a difference here and now mm. so is is it about uh trying to bring together all the all the different groups the vegans the vegetarians and the meat eaters into one into one kind of unified place to work together almost um, exactly yeah it's so about it's about going beyond tribalism Alex, yeah. uh, because the, the fact is, I see it time and time again, not everyone, but as a generalization, regenerative farmers. So these are farmers that are keeping their animals in good, healthy, animal welfare friendly ways. They hate vegans and vegans hate uh, regenerative farmers uh, and both of those groups hate the technologists that are producing cultivated meat lab grown meat from stem cells and so on and who uh, who benefits from this division well the status quo the factory farmed interests those that want to take animals out of the fields and put them in confinement and feed them grain that should be feeding people so let's come together all of us that see the need for uh, an urgent rethink of our food let's come together let's be part of the same movement let's bring unity rather than division strength rather than discord and change as a result of being one mm. yeah i mean the vegans that i've spoken to they they are in favor of cultured meat uh vegetarians are in favor of cultured meat and flexitarians that i've spoken to are all in favor of cultured meat the people who who seem to be um, against it that that kind of notice the yuck factor in cultured meat are the meat eaters, the ones um, who are expected to 
eat this what they probably think of as some kind of dog food or spam style food so um uh, i mean are you a supporter of cultivated meat I, I know we should call it cultivated meat now not cultured meat i've been told that um are you in favor of cultivated meat i absolutely am alex i'm a big uh, champion of cultivated meat as one of a portfolio of beautiful life-affirming compassionate solutions that can change the way that we produce and consume food uh, and to be honest we are running out of time and it can't come quick enough uh, at the moment uh, food is the biggest driver of climate change it's the biggest single sector emitting greenhouse gases it is also the biggest land user on the planet nearly half the habitable land surface of the planet is producing food and of that most of it is devoted to livestock products uh, and so that is why we need to do things differently we need to move away from keeping animals in factory farms um, keeping animals in ways which causes not only cruelty to them but also huge wastage in the food system using vast tracts of land and emitting so much greenhouse gases and the way the, the simple way the single solution as part of a portfolio that can help us do that uh, is cultivated meat, producing meat in a bioreactor from stem cells uh, th that have been taken from a harmless biopsy from a donor animal. Mm. What do you think is going to be one of, uh, uh, or what do you think are going to be the main problems with with um, uh, persuading people to eat cultivated meat? I, I mean, clearly there are problems bringing cultivated meat to scale so that the so that the cost is down and the production is 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 kind of worthwhile but do you think there's going to be a problem persuading people to eat it i don't think so no there hasn't been a problem persuading people to eat meat from animals that have been kept for their whole lives in abject cruelty that have been standing in their own filth that are in barns filled with ammonia that have been fed copious antibiotics simply to keep them alive and then they're dragged off to the slaughterhouse and they're producing uh, meat which is of poor quality high in saturated fat low in protein and and other health giving nutrients people don't have a problem eating that stuff and the reason for that is because cheap meat from factory farms is cheap and anonymous it's sold in a freezer very often it doesn't declare on the label where it's come from how it's been produced so people buy it on price and they buy it because of the anonymity now as soon as cultivated meat overcomes the sh short-term problems of needing to scale up which is a technical solution and needing to reduce the price, which will happen with scale. As soon as it overcomes those short term problems, then cultivated meat will benefit from cheap anonymity that has seen the rise of factory farming. And as soon as cultivated meat becomes cheaper mm. because it will be healthier, and because it will have uh, great benefits for the planet as well as the consumer, it will be the go-to. It will be the thing that people that have previously bought cheap anonymous meat will buy instead. Cultivated meat has the potential to cut the legs off the existing 
intensive livestock industry and make it redundant, a remnant of history. Yeah. I was listening to a, a podcast that you did um, with the plant-based um, meat uh, agency. I can't remember the exact name, but uh, you were describing how 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 animals are not allowed out of the barn, how they're always sort of kept inside, and and uh, and huge tracts of land are being used to create the feed, and so. So the feed is sort of poured into the barn and then the meat comes out the other side. So it's kind of much the same as a bioreactor in, in lots of ways, except a bioreactor is three times more efficient. Um, from a cow, it's apparently around 4% efficient and uh, bioreactor is uh, something between 10 and 15, perhaps going up to 20%. So that had a real kind of visual image for me. Um, so, uh, but I guess the problem is, um, I mean, I've read some of George Monbiot's stuff before and, and, and he, he believes that people's, that people's behavior can change. Uh, and I, I, I mean, personally, I'm not sure how easy it is to change people's behavior. What do you think about that, about behavior change? Well, I think that uh, behavior change does happen and 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 can happen uh, quickly. And I think that uh, the the beautiful thing about cultivated meat is that it's pushing at an open door. It is real meat, but without the animal cruelty. It's real meat, but without the greenhouse gas emissions to to the same extent. It's real meat, but without the huge land requirement, uh, and. The, the, the more people are eating more meat than ever before. That is the statistical reality of our times. Cultivated meat offers the promise of being the renewable energy equivalent of food. Mm. It, 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 just as with renewable energy, the, the, the energy comes out of the same plug socket. You just plug your device in and you get the same level of convenience. Well, cultivated meat will give that same experience that same convenience perhaps at a cheaper price to consumers that are currently eating meat but without the downsides it would reduce the amount of land needed by 98 percent it will reduce the amount of greenhouse gases by about 80 percent or more these are huge it will cut out entirely the cruelty these are promises that are too tantalizing to let go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in your latest book, uh, 60 Harvests Left, you talk about the degradation of soil and uh, and sort of various other things. You say that we, uh, because of the degradation of soil, that we only have 60 harvests left. Uh, you foresee the future in quite a, an apocalyptic way, perhaps. Can you tell us a little bit about your book and is it really that bad? Well, Alex, sadly, it is. Um, the book is uh, arranged around the four seasons, uh, the, the, the last being spring, which is a hopeful symphony of how we can bring these beautiful, life-affirming, compassionate solutions to the fore and save the day. And it's within the gift of all of us to, to help bring that about. But going back to the beginning, the book is framed around the four seasons and where we are currently as a society is in the summertime, a 
time of perpetual partying and uh, consuming as if the, the world has no boundaries. But we're starting to see the browning leaves of autumn uh, come into play with the growing anxiety around climate change and the collapse of nature and, 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 and what have you. Winter, if we carry on as we are, then we could face as a society a perpetual winter. We all got a collective taste of that perpetual winter through COVID-19. But we don't have to go there. As I say, there is this beautiful, harmonious symphony of solutions of which cultivated meat is one of them. Regenerative farming is another. Bringing animals out of factory farms onto the land where they can help regenerate soil health and create much better, healthier food in ways which brings back biodiversity. So cultivated meat, reducing the number of animals that we need in the system. Regenerative farming, uh, where the animals that are in the system live much better lives this is a way where we can essentially have it all we can have our meat and eat it if you like using the cake analogy yeah <laughs> i mean it's one of the things i thought i was thinking about well, when i had that that visual image in my mind earlier um which i mentioned about the barns filled with the animals or the barns filled with the bioreactors is that um, clearly farmers are going to need to be producing uh, an enormous amount of feed to go into the bioreactors, uh, at least kind of 10 times the food that they produce. Um, and in one of your in one of your podcasts, you, you were talking about um, kind of soil erosion. Well, in your book, you talk about kind of soil erosion because of the mass of farming. So kind of cultivated meat in a way uh, I mean, you know, there could, there, you know, there could be uh, an a kind of unexpected kind of consequence of cultured meat, whereby we actually, you know, people eat more meat because it's it's more easily available, it's cheaper, and the farming becomes more, in, you know, more intense in order to feed the bioreactors. Uh, I'm not sure if this is something you've considered, or if this is. I mean, it's quite a, it's quite a long way off, of course, but it's it's a possibility, isn't it? Well, actually, I think the reverse is true. The The fact is that we currently feed uh, 40% of the entire world's crop harvest to factory farmed animals. That's what's going on at the moment. And the problem is that uh, living, breathing animals are pretty damned lousy at converting crops into meat, milk and eggs. They waste most of the food value in terms of calories and protein in that conversion in this way alex in this way we waste enough food every year to feed four billion people on the planet that's half of humanity alive today now far less feed stuff is needed to feed uh, bioreactors because it is so much more efficient at converting uh, in the the, uh, the the nutrient soup into uh, protein uh, and other uh, nutrients so actually it's going to be a a lifesaver moving to cultivated meat moving away from the traditional if you like uh, intensive livestock industry absolutely um 
I really liked what you said uh, about uh, in order to encourage people to change, we need we need to tell the stories. You said and and to give people the information they need um, rather than preaching to them and rather than kind of telling them what to do because people don't like being told what to do. Um, the problem there, perhaps, is that there are many outlets and million millions of dollars of backing on the other side of the argument. Kind of telling stories to encourage people to carry on as usual and and to ignore the science entirely. Um, this happened with big tobacco and with big oil. Uh, and you mentioned the figure of seven hundred billion given in subsidies to uh, animal agriculture. So with that amount stood to be lost by the animal farming industry, it seems likely that that change is going to face robust opposition, uh, to say the least. Have you have you seen any signs of that yourself? Uh, opposition, perhaps to your book or or to your work? Oh, absolutely. Uh, opposition is a fact of life when you're trying to create the kind of change that we're talking about opposition is a fact of life when you're dealing with a trillion dollar problem that's how big the meat industry is and it, it's not farmers that are to blame individual farmers let me be really clear uh, what what is driving this industrial uh, approach to factory farming are a handful of companies that produce the uh, the cage and the grain feed, the drugs uh, and the chemical pesticides and artificial fertilizers that fuel the whole system, really big agri-businesses, they're the ones that are putting up the opposition and they're the ones that we as a movement need to face down and overcome what we can do is what we do need to do is enlist corporates such as supermarkets and restaurant chains to our cause and we're doing that uh, compassion in world farming is doing that every day we also need to enlist governments the european union has put forward a new deal uh, a new green deal uh, set of proposals to move away from uh, industrial agriculture now that is of course coming up against huge opposition but we need to get behind it we need to hold them firm to their pledge to end the use of all cages in animals farmed for food these are big big pledges that are coming from governments so working with supportive governments working with supportive companies encouraging the united nations to get involved last week i was in rome at the un food systems summit which which is something that i've been a champion for uh, over the recent years an ambassadorial champion this is the way which we as individual people can get behind as part of a movement but we can all help absolutely every day too through our own food choices we can seize the power of our plate three times a day by eating more plants less and better meat making sure that any meat that we do have today comes from regenerative organic free-range pasture-fed sources and in the not too distant future um, buying cultivated meat uh, that comes from stem cells rather than live animals so I mean, when we look at uh, big tobacco and big oil, they in in their fight back against uh, against renewables and against um, 
you know, against kind of banning tobacco, I suppose, or 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 hide or kind of making it harder for people to choose to smoke. Uh, you know, they for for a couple of decades they were, you know, they had control over the narrative. Uh, it seems so. Is there something we could have, you know, we can learn from that because it's bound to happen, isn't it? With the, in the same way with with food, because it is it is such a a high a high um, a high earning industry. Um, Absolutely, it, it, it happens right here, right now. The narrative is that we have a growing human population therefore we need factory farming of animals to feed that that uh, that that populace well actually the opposite of true is true factory farms waste food they don't make it they waste enough food every year to feed half of humanity alive today it's shocking yet that is the narrative that is out there and we need to turn it around mm. how do we do that I mean, that's just about kind of everyone speaking up, I suppose, isn't it? You know, everyone who has a voice to use their voice. Exactly. It's about speaking up. It's about getting involved in campaigns by organisations like Compassion and World Farming, CIWF.org. Uh, it's about also seizing the power of our plate, as I say, eating more plants, less and better meat and dairy from from uh, if you're if you're eating um, animal sourced foods. Make sure it does come from uh, better, more compassionate, regenerative sources like pasture fed, free range or organic. Yeah, because it seems that perhaps until cultured meat is available on the market to regular people, they don't really have an alternative to their burger. I mean, I've always thought in order to get someone to stop eating a burger, you have to kind of hand them an identical burger. So un until that's possible, uh, I, I, it's going to be difficult to persuade people to change their habits, isn't it? So it's it's a bit of a waiting game slightly, isn't it? Well, there are very good, uh, authentic plant-based burgers available now by companies like beyond meat or moving mountains or impossible foods and these are getting better and better at being meat like every day uh, but you're right the, the 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 game changer in my view is going to be uh cultivated meat from stem cells because it will be real meat but without the downsides and what could be better. And the great news is it's already been uh, given the commercial go ahead, certainly for for uh, for cultivated chicken uh, in Singapore in 2020. And uh, only about a month ago, given the go ahead in the US. Now, what happens in the US pretty much comes to the UK uh, quite quickly. So watch this space. Yes, they've put. Uh, I think Aleph Farms have have put in their um, uh, order for approval in Switzerland. So that's the first in Europe. Um, so uh, it is exciting. And have you have you have you tried any any cultivated meat yourself? As yet, Alex, no, I haven't. I was invited to to go and taste some in the US, but uh, was scuppered because of COVID. Uh, but I am hoping to uh, get a taste of cultivated meat for real in the autumn in South Africa. Would you try it, though, because you are vegan, aren't you? So would you try cultivated meat? I would. I absolutely would. And the reason for that is uh, curiosity and the and and it will give me a better uh, ability to advocate 
for it because i think there's no better way of taking animals out of the system than being able to advocate for alternative proteins that people are going to want to eat absolutely and because you are a passionate pragmatist that's exactly what you should be doing probably so exactly. i mean it's been great talking to you just one last question um Finally, uh, as your idea of an end goal, what does the finish line look like for the future of farmed animals and food production? What would be the ideal end scenario? The ideal end would be no more factory farming whatsoever. Every animal uh, being given uh, compassion and respect, uh, being able to live uh, a, a healthy and happy life as part of the countryside uh, and with far fewer farmed animals uh, and with much more space for a resurgence of life-giving wildlife. And uh, I did hear you say that by 2100, you expected people to not be eating meat in the same way again. What does that mean? That just means that people aren't farming meat anymore. Yeah, I, I absolutely believe. And in fact, George Monbiot and I um, put forward a, a motion at uh, the Oxford Union debate in 2018 that by 2100, meat eating as we know it will be a thing of the past. And I absolutely believe that that is going to be the case because I think meat that we do eat by 2100 largely will come from cultivated meat from bioreactors. Mm. Well, I hope so. Um, it's been wonderful talking to you, Philip, and thank you very much for your time. Um, and um, I, I, I've ordered your book; it just hasn't arrived yet, so I look forward. To, I look forward to reading that. Yeah, it's been great, Alex.